I said it in the earlier service, and I'll, I'll encourage you. Also, you know, one of the areas that we definitely prevent the Father's love from revealing His love to this world is uh, the area of unforgiveness. When we choose not to forgive someone for their trespasses against us, we are preventing the Father from revealing His love into their lives. And not only that, we're also preventing the Father from revealing His love for our lives and for bringing healing into our lives. As we talk about the Father's love, and it's very important for me to, to bring the Father back home. Because as believers unintentionally, we're kind of taking the father and we've put him away. We pushed him out. We replaced him with the son. And I'm not saying anything against the son, but the son came here on this earth to do the father's will. The son came here to this earth to reconcile you and I to the Father, and He came here because of the Father's love for us. Yes. We sang about the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong with that. But the Holy Spirit's job is to guide us in walking with accordance to the Father's will for our life. So, why is it that the Father is kind of being pushed out? Now, the Father's love has been displayed for us from the creation of the world. In the first book of the Bible, which is not Matthew, by the way. For many people, it's Matthew. For many people around the world, it's Matthew. We give Bibles just a new covenant. Doing this service for people, preventing them from knowing the true Father and His amazing love. Yes. Oh, sister, it's so good to have you here. I have, I have, I have to tell you, I have to tell you. I may go a little bit over the time, but it's a blessing to have life. You know, it just soul. You know, for me, it's like it's in my heart. Six times in the first chapter of the Bible, it says, "And God saw." That it was good. And on the seventh time it says, And God saw all that he created or did, and it was really good. But one other amazing thing that we see in the first book of the Bible is the difference between the creation of the world and the creation of man. God created the world through his word. He spoke and it came to existence. But with us, men, it did something different. In Genesis 2.7, it says, Then the Lord formed man of dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nose the breath of life, and man became a living being. With us, God did something different. He didn't just... Speak and it happened, but he actually breathed life. Yes. 
into our lives. A sign of intimacy. A sign of connection. Because through this, we see that God has created us for relationship. God has created you and I for relationship. Another great way to see that, that he created the heaven and the earth in six days. And then on the sixth day, he created the ultimate peak of his creation. You know, and, and I love it just to think about it. Next time you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. Next time you look in the mirror and you have doubts about yourself. Remember that you are the peak of God's creation. You know, I was driving on this trip from North Carolina to West Virginia. And, and you kind of, once you leave the North Carolina area, which is beautiful, you get into the Virginia area and you get all the way to West Virginia. And it's fascinating. The greenery, the mountains. Many areas there men still didn't destroy. So you see the amazing creation. But even when I think about that amazing picture, I think about the fact that in God's eyes, I'm even more than that. So after he created us men, he took a day because he was so tired, so he needed to sleep, right? When he gave us a Sabbath. No. He gave us a Sabbath because he wanted to spend time with us. And he wanted us to spend time with him. Not as a legalistic day, but as a day for relationship. From the beginning, from the creation of this earth, God created us for relationship. But from the time of creation, we see that we as men, even when we make bad choices, that the Father provided for us a way to return to Him in order for us to have relationship with Him and for Him to have relationship with us. In Genesis Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we, we read about two trees, the trees of, tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, meaning the tree of death. And the Lord God planted the garden towards the east in Eden, or Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And jumping to verses 15 and 17, we read, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. 
And one of the, the amazing parts about these last verses that I read is that God did not create us as robots. You know, one of the phrases that unintentionally as believers we use that I think is wrong is that we say, I pray that God will use you. God is not using us. You know, I have this phone. I'm using this phone. I don't have relationship with this phone. Sorry, Siri. (laughs) I'm not attached to this phone. I'm using this phone. But God did not create me to use me. He created me for relationship. But he told us because of the relationship, he has given us freedom. Freedom to choose what is honoring to him and freedom to choose what is not honoring for him. But the byproduct of Choosing something that is not honoring to him, which means sin, is death. From creation. In Genesis 3.1, we, we see something interesting. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it or touch, lest you die. First religion, right? God said something specific, and man kind of added a few things. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, Your eyes will be open, and that you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And what they did, they took fig leaves to try to cover themselves with their own power, with their own strength. Just like us, we we think about the shame, right? In Him we have no shame. Well, let's think about these words. We do something and we, we try to cover it with our own power. Instead of going to the source. We have way too much shame, so we don't want others to know it. He gave us brothers and sisters that when we are sinning, we are to confess it before him, but also before brothers and sisters, because then you bring it into the light, and then you have no shame. But we would try to do it with our own power. And then it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? Like he didn't know where he is. 
And he said, I heard the sound of, of thee in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, who told you? Who told you the secret that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman... But note, it's, he wasn't blaming the woman. He was blaming God. The woman that thou hast given to me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. The woman that you. Isn't it true? There are temptations. We, we kind of, uh, let, let's get it and then we do it. And then who are we blaming? God. We don't take responsibility. But from the creation of the world, we find that the Father had a very different solution for sin. In Genesis 3.8 it says, And the Lord God made a garment of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. It's amazing to think that from the creation of the world, the Father already indicated to us a way for us to return to Him. The first sacrifice as an atonement of sin is found in the beginning. Men tried to do it with their own strength and God provided a way for them that required a blood sacrifice in order for them to cover themselves. Pretty amazing. This first sacrifice is pointing to even a greater sacrifice that the Father will provide in the future. You know, earlier I, I, I read to us from Genesis 12. And while that promise we find, in, in that promise we, we find an indication that God will bless the earth through a, a group of people called Israel, we also find in that promise the ultimate way that God has chosen to bring his blessing to this world. Only that this time is not a temporary blessing like with Israel, but an everlasting blessing. The Apostle Paul referred to this promise when he wrote in Galatians 3.16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham, to his seed. He does not say, and to your seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one. And to your seed, that is the Messiah. Through God's promise to Abraham, we can clearly see how it points out to the Messiah. Through his promise, we also find an evidence of God's endless love for us, in that he provided a way for us to return to him through the seed of the blessing. From the beginning of time. You know, the fact that I'm here today is a fulfillment of this promise. Not just for me as a Jewish person from Israel who accepted that promise, but all of you are a fulfillment of this promise. Because through the seed, He has blessed all the earth, all the nations. For God so loves the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whomever believes in Him should not perish, but will have eternal life. 
For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. Take a minute to reflect upon that. You and I are part of God's amazing plan to reveal His amazing love to this world. Just take a minute to soak it in. I say this and I get goosebumps. You and I, you and I are part of God's amazing plan to reveal His amazing love to the people in this world. Let's do a little exercise to wake you up, okay? Ready? Look at your neighbor and says, You are a reflection of God's amazing love to this world. Now, Mark and Carol, please say to the young lady here in the front, she's a kind of, she, she thought that she's left behind, but uh, yeah, you, you, you can't, you know. But my dear brothers and sisters, with this amazing privilege that we are part of God's amazing plan to reveal His amazing love to this world, comes an immense amount of responsibility. Just as a reminder of what I was asking in, in the earlier part of the message, am I preventing God from revealing His love to this world? It's not just to say, oh, I'm privileged. There is a responsibility. God did not bring us from darkness to light in order for us to say we're saved. He did not do that. For the love of Messiah controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that they who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. He didn't bring me from darkness to light in order for me to say, I'm a believer, I'm going to spend eternity with God, and all y'all are all in the world. You like the all y'all, I, I saw the smile, okay? <laughs> You can see that I'm in the South a lot. But all of you are part of the world, and since you don't believe in Him, you're going to spend eternity separate from God. He didn't bring me from darkness to light in order for me to say that. He brought me from darkness to light, that in and through me, He can reveal His love to this world. That's why He brought me from darkness to light. When we said yes to him, we said no to ourselves. Yeshua was sent by the Father because of the Father's love for you and I in order to reconcile us to himself. Yeshua is our example. Yeshua did not make it about himself. And for those of you who don't know who Yeshua is, I have to say it at least once, okay? Dennis, his nickname is Jesus, okay? But that, that's okay. In, in Israel, we call him Yeshua, okay? I, I get in trouble, okay? No disrespect, okay? This is just, uh, I, I would like to call him in Israel. Thank you. But Yeshua came here 
to show us the way back to the Father. Yeshua entrusted to you and I the responsibility of reconciliation. Yeshua entrusted to you and I the responsibility of revealing the Father's love to this earth. Am I preventing God from showing His amazing love to the people on this earth through my actions? The answer is not in what we think, but the answer is in what we do. We have a key to make a difference. Are we going to keep it inside our pockets, or are we going to allow God to use that key to open new doors? And to do greater things than what we even think. Maybe you are here this morning. And you heard about the Father's love, but but you have never experienced the Father's love. Don't allow yourself to prevent the Father from revealing his love to you. Simply say, Father, I want to experience your love. And there is only one way to experience his love. is by accepting the atonement that he has given for you and I. Maybe you are here today. And there is something in your life that you know that you know that you need to repent before God of. I, I, I can tell you my... Sarcasm, I, I, all the time I need to repent of that. And I'm not joking. I'm not joking, I'm real. Those of you who know me, you know that I will say something and immediately I'll get convicted. Because sarcasm sometimes can kill instead of build. And that can prevent God from revealing His love to someone. Maybe it's a sin that we try to put under the table. There is no reason to be ashamed. There is no condemnation for anyone who is in Him. But the condition is to be in Him. And again, maybe it's the issue of unforgiveness. Don't prevent God from revealing His love for others. He did not count our trespasses against Him. Who are we to count men's trespasses against us? We prevent him from revealing his love to them and we prevent ourselves from receiving his love and healing into our lives. Lord, I just ask you now that no one will leave this house of yours without a touch of your love. Father, we need you. We need you. I need you, Lord. Lord, please don't allow us to prevent you from revealing your love. Be glorified, Lord. Be glorified. May we all live this place today as changed people who were touched by your love, Father.
you. Thank you.